there's a very specific process that every company needs to understand and follow for them to be able to set successful meetings, right? The, the first thing you need to understand is who do you sell to? Like who's your ideal customer profile? Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we're talking to Tito Bort, and uh, we're going to talk about how to get more qualified sales meetings, a topic near and dear to my near and dear to my heart. Tito, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So Tito is the, uh, is the founder and CEO of Alta Sales, which is a global sales consultancy that helps CEOs and sales executives increase response rates and set more meetings. As a sales trainer, Tito has helped many companies build and train world-class sales teams and grow their revenue. He's also a keynote speaker and a B2B SaaS angel investor. Really excited for this uh, for this talk, Tito. I mean, this is something that really all salespeople need to work on, and I'm I'm really excited to get your uh, your expertise on this. So, first question, uh, especially for outside salespeople, the first goal is to get a face to face meeting with the prospect. What would you say is the most important thing salespeople should do when it comes to getting that meeting? Yeah, and it's, 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 it's interesting here, you know, a little bit of background, I've built 25 sales development teams. So I always specialize in the top end of the funnel. So helping sales reps, uh, like probably many of you who are listening to this, this podcast um, or this uh, YouTube talk, um, get those meetings. And um, I get this question a lot, like what is the one thing I need to do? And my answer is usually there's not one thing. Um, however, there's many things that can ruin your process completely. So rather than one thing to do is like the seven things to avoid type of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll take those instead. That's, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So like there's a, there's a very specific process that every company needs to understand and follow for them to be able to set successful meetings, right? The, the first thing you need to understand is who do you sell to? Like who's your ideal customer profile and ideal customer profile ICP is, um, kind of like an acronym that has been sent out there for a million different things. And 90% of people who mention ICP have no idea what they're talking about. So let me clarify that. ICP is very specifically a subset of your target addressable market that is really good for you. Quick example for field sales um, or outside salespeople. If you sell beer, right? You can go sell beer to, let's say a bunch of number of restaurants or bars or, uh, liquor stores or like all these different places, but perhaps there's one area where you have a lot of customers that they're really happy with your service, right? If you sell like some software, remember when I was at reputation.com, we had a field sales team. We could sell online reputation management services to anybody. This is increasing your ratings, reviews, and social media. Like any restaurant kind of needs that, but any company almost needs that. When you're looking for a dry, dry cleaning service, when you're looking for a plumber, when you're looking for even an apartment you're moving into. Right? And what, what you got to do, figure out very quickly is go to your company CRM, figure out who do you sell to and who's the most, what subset of your customers is the happiest with you or receives the most value from you. And then go ahead and build a list and don't build a list of contacts, build a list of companies first. Once you have your company list first, then you go figure out the contacts and it's a little bit labor intensive here to go figure out all the contacts. But um, once you do, that will simplify your life a lot. 
once you understand who derives the most value from your product, it's much easier to reach out to them via phone, via email, via LinkedIn, or whatever methodology, and uh, set up a meeting. So I hope that someone helps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's fantastic advice. And, and one thing that comes to mind for me that, that I always see with sales teams with, with prospecting is the key is to block off the time to do it, you know, four days a week, make sure you have, it's, it's a meeting on your calendar and it's just, it is, it is locked in gold. And I guess the amount of time you have to spend on it probably depends on how many leads you're getting inbound and uh, whether your role is more lead generation or closing and, and kind of what, what things look like for you. But regardless of whatever you decide the amount of time is, it needs to be set aside to actually get done. You can't do it after everything else is caught up with because you'll, ne you'll never get to it, you know? Yeah. And there's a quick hack here. So what's interesting about the sales profession, right, is that we all get compensated heavily on commissions too. Um, if you sell a lot, you make a lot of money. And what I did uh, when I was uh, doing sales the, the first time and setting this up the first time is as soon as I figured out a process that would yield me good leads and good companies that I could reach out to and do outbound, I hired somebody through Upwork.com, found a data researcher in Philippines for 5 or $6 an hour, and just had him work 30 hours a week for me. So they were doing 30 hours of prospecting. I was just getting an Excel sheet with all the data I needed that I could upload to my CRM and or just use whichever way I want it. I would build my, my target list. And then during the day when I was not like talking to customers face-to-face -face or over the phone or in client meetings, I had the time to just grab my phone and start dialing away and set myself meetings. Um, and that will set you up for success. But you, you need to organize yourself. Go find that company list. Go find uh, then get the contacts, um, and then you can, you can really spend the time just talking to people. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, and when you think about that, the, whenever you can carve off something that's repeatable and you can have someone do for you at a low cost, you, you really, that's, that's a, key, a key lesson that uh, I think, I guess Tim Ferriss was the first person I saw, I heard really, you know, in a really clear way outline that concept years ago. And it's really stuck with me. I mean, if something's repeatable and a scalable process that you can pass off to someone like that, it's one of the ways you can really scale your time. Yeah, no, that is true. Um, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss. So, so I think I, I stole some of these concepts from him, right? That's what they say. You, <laughs> well, you have your own a jelly bean jar and then you go talk to a bunch of people and figure out what what do they do what do they say how do they think that i can borrow for my own jelly bean jar and, and you go grab that knowledge and you implement it yourself so absolutely yeah i mean i i i don't claim to have ever come up with anything any new ideas in my entire life i think i just uh i've been good at picking up other people's and and recombining them and i guess shaking the jelly bean jar that i have that uh and that allows you to take action on things and know, know, know what you need to know, I guess. But there's no, there's no extra points for being the first person to think of something. If uh, someone smart already wrote, wrote a book about it and you can, you can read that book, then you get just as many points to be able to use the, use the knowledge there. Yeah. Let's try to do this. Let, let me try to share as many jelly beans I can today and let's see how much value the audience can get from us. So maybe another concept to explain here, which, which I think will be highly valuable, is how do you cold call? And how do you leave voicemails, right? Mm -hmm. We are, um, we're a bunch that we have uh, lots of prospects. We're trying to set our, our own face-to-face -face meetings and we get to voicemail a lot. Very commonly, 
what I've heard people say on the phone is like, you know, you go to voicemail and they're like, Hey, John, my name is Tito. I am with Alti Sales. Uh, we help companies with X, Y, and Z. And uh, I was hoping to schedule a meeting with you and come see you face to face and see if we can do X, Y, and Z. Right? What ends up happening is in today's world where uh, there's the attention span so short, as soon as I start listening to my voicemails, you might do the same uh, for everyone listening to this. As soon as somebody says, hey, my name is blah, 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 and I'm with this company, I just click delete and go to the next, right? So mm -hmm. the way we do voicemails is we start telling them about them. So good example, again, I'm going to take maybe reputation.com, which is a company I worked with uh, many years ago. Um, I would call up and say, hey, John, I was just on Google figuring out uh, some of the buildings that you own, and it seems like the ratings for them are really low. We've been working with Graystar and you know, Alliance Residential, helping them get better ratings and reviews, and that has increased the number of traffic they've gotten to, to their location. So I was hoping to speak with you uh, more in depth over the next couple of weeks. Maybe we can do a 15-minute like face-to-face -face coffee. Would you be available? I'm going to send you an email. Again, this is John Stewart with XYZ Company, right? So what that does is when I pick up the phone, somebody's like, Tito, I was on your website or I was on your LinkedIn profile or I was mm -hmm. at your store or I was at your location and I saw this. That catches my eye. Like, oh yeah, you saw that. I didn't have a imported beer. Interesting, right? Coming back to the beer concept. Like, and, you know, uh, we had another restaurant, gas station, blah, 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 that just got this new, uh, that just started selling our beer. And they saw because of the profit margins and blah, 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 increase X, Y, Z. Like, we all know what our product does, but make an observation and then tell them how what you have is better and leave your name to the end. Don't sure. ever start a voicemail with your name and, uh, and company name. Leave that to the end. And don't ask them to call you back. Like, sometimes that's a good idea. We, none of us get too many callbacks. Um, you also don't need to tell them your phone number unless you have like caller ID blocked. But most of the time, they know your caller ID. They can just dial back and they'll call mm -hmm. me back at this number or check my email. And again, hopefully uh, the people you're calling do check their email daily, like 99% of the world, and they'll, they'll see your name and they'll see like left you a voicemail as a subject line. That catches my eye. For sure. Well, I think that's fantastic advice. And I, and I, I really like it when, when uh, we can give people, this is exactly how you do it. This is the back and forth. How, this is what it sounds like. In terms of uh, advice for getting more meetings with qualified prospects, as opposed to just more meetings, what specific strategies do you think salespeople should apply there? Yeah. I mean, it uh, goes back to a little bit of the concept inbound and outbound, right? So w when you're just working inbound leads, you're just hoping that the right person gets to the website and contacts you and, and you can hopefully talk to them. And sometimes you're going to get great ones. Sometimes you're not going to get so great ones. And most of the people who are coming inbound for the majority of the companies I talk to, they're also going inbound into five, six, seven companies. So your close rates are just, if they make a decision, you're one out of seven. Um, and ha half of the time they decide not to buy at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, build in-house or do whatever else or, or find another option. So one thing is to go outbound. And then when you're going outbound, it's, it's about the uh, account um, selection, right? How do you decide who you go after? And that sometimes requires you talk to some of your current clients and ask them, what is the, your favorite part about working with us? What makes us unique? What makes us better, right? Sometimes you need to look at your NPS scores and make sure that like 
your um, your clients are net promoters of you, so they're really excited about working with you and so on. But then um, it's also about being able to communicate the value quickly. So I don't know if you want me to maybe run through a sample cold call. Yeah, um, that's for, for how be, we would do that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to like maybe role play this? Like, should we pick a product and maybe uh, an industry and, and try to role play it? Or yeah, sure. Well, let, let's do something. Let's do something everybody knows. Let's do beer, uh, beer into uh, restaurants. You, you're a you're a imported beer from uh, a Spanish imported beer salesman, and I'm a, uh, I'm a I own a nice restaurant. I'm the decision maker at a nice restaurant for for what beverages get get uh, get put on the menu. Okay, we're gonna make a fictional beer called like uh, Madrid. Madrid beer from Spain. Perfect. Um, and then we're going to try to to sell you on it. Okay. All right. So I'm um, I'm calling you. This is this is a very weird one. I've never done beer, but let's do it. Uh, so <laughs> your phone's ringing. Ring, ring. Hi, this is Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, this is Tito Bort with uh, Madrid Beer. Um, I was just at your restaurant two days ago, and uh, I was hoping to speak with you briefly. Do you have two minutes? Um, yeah, yeah. I've got two minutes right now. Sure. Thanks, Steve. I'll keep it brief. Um, I- I'm calling you because when I was at the restaurant, I was trying to order uh, beer and check your beer selection, and I didn't find any imported beer from Europe. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the statistics, but it's uh, it's it's been in high demand lately. A lot of people are really getting into this. First, the craft beers, and and then they imported like strange beers. What's the reason that you haven't uh, yet, you know, started offering some imported beer? Man, that's a great question. I mean, here in California, people like all kinds of beer. I mean, obviously wine's popular too, but on the beer menu, we've got several, the only imported beer we have, I guess, is from Mexico. And we've got a bunch of, uh, you know, craft beers from Oregon and Washington and Northern California. But yeah, I guess uh, we haven't really looked at the, uh, at the, at the European market much. Uh, So I guess it wasn't really a decision that we made actively. It's more of a passive decision that we just, you know, this is where, we just kind of grabbed what was available, I guess. Hmm. That's interesting. Have you looked at your profit margins for like all these different types of beers? Like where are you making the most money? We make the most money on beers like Corona because we can charge kind of the same price as we charge for the more premium beers. Um, you know, like the Deschutes and the, 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 Oregon and uh, Washington beers that are cost a little bit more. We can charge just as much for a Corona, even though the cost profile of, the, of something like a Corona is more similar to like a Bud or a Bud Light. It's only marginally more expensive than that. So that, that's where we get the best profit margin is on is on those Mexican beers. Ah, that sounds really interesting. You know what? What I uh, what I saw the other day is I on your menu you actually have paella, which is a dish originally from Madrid. And another um, restaurant we're working with, when they were serving paella, they were offering Spanish beer. It just felt right for the customer to order the Spanish beer with the paella, and they've been mm-hmm. able to upsell that and really start starts making a difference in the bottom line. So. Would you have maybe 15, 20 minutes so I can come over to the restaurant whenever you're around and, and show you um, some stats about how, how they've uh, been able to sell more? Maybe maybe you want to taste our beer too. Could be a good fit. You know, I, actually, that, that does not sound like a bad idea. We are trying to get more of a more of an upscale flair. What I love about the paella, and I don't know if you noticed about the, t- the, the tapas section of our menu is they, you know, with, with the tapas, we basically, people have to order three of the things to get full, but they cost 80% of what an entree does. So we're, we've kind of been 
moving in that Spanish direction. I, we, we, it, that has been going well for us. So I, I, I'd, I'd be interested. Cool. Perfect. And then we set up the meeting. So boom, uh, done. The rest of <laughs> yeah. but, but that's cool. Right. So what I try to do there, and, and if you're a smart sales rep and I have a Spanish beer, I would go on Google and I would find all the restaurants that sell paella. And then I would build a list and then I would, you know, like, hire somebody in, in, in India or Philippines throw up work or somebody that I can pay four or five bucks an hour and it, make, it makes them a good living and mm -hmm. have them build my list of phone numbers that I need to call and just, uh, they can most likely identify, you can tell them like three or four dishes that are from Spain or Europe. If you mm -hmm. ever see this, 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 or this, and in your Excel, it will say like XYZ restaurant has paella. Here's the phone number, right? So you right, start calling right. and you're like, hey, I was at your restaurant and I saw you have paella. And man, all the menus are on Google now. Right, right. Like, go. Like, yeah. You sit at your computer, craft this, and like, like I'm really ready for uh, a VP of sales who sells beer to come hire me here and, uh, and start selling beer. For <laughs> well, I, I mean, honestly, uh, so there are probably some beer salespeople that listen to this podcast. So it's, it's, a, it's a good, uh, it, it's definitely a good example. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I mean, you know, like we've done a lot of software, but I had a bank approach me and say, Hey, you know, like we're trying to get um, Apple computer company to, they have $300 billion in cash. We want them to shift a hundred billion of that to our bank for us to manage their assets. And we'll pay you, you know, base basis points on it. And then you do the math and like, they're, they're willing to pay like $300,000 for me to get them a meeting with, with Apple. If, if they, if they can convince them to, to close a deal with them. And I'm like, that sounds like a, like an effort worth making. Yeah, like, yeah. I can go work. through that. Yeah. So if you figure out, I can, and then for a bank, it's really easy, right? Who's your ideal customer profile? Who's the perfect fit who would benefit the most from your service? Well, the company has the most assets. The company has the most cash. They need mm -hmm. me the most, right? You have mm -hmm. a Spanish beer, the companies that are selling Spanish dishes, right? Mm -hmm. You sell a reputation management company, the companies with the worst reputation, or the companies mm -hmm. that charge the most per client, right? So I approach apartment management companies because I knew that for an apartment management company, another tenant is tens of thousands of dollars a year. While mm -hmm. for a pizza shop, another another customer is like $2. And right. then the margins suck. So try to figure out who's going to make it the bottom line, the most money from your solution and just call them up. And then like you can sometimes even sell above your, your selling price in software and things like that. And people are happy to pay. You just got to figure out who doesn't know what they don't know, but you can show them something that really opens their eyes to new possibilities. That's truly fantastic advice. So tell me, how should salespeople follow up after one of these meetings to ensure that the deal keeps moving forward? Do you have any advice there? Yeah, I mean, you know, the typical things we do is, is just send a templated email um, that we have and we customize it. So the way we structure it and the way we recommend you structure it is the beginning of the, e the, beginning of the email should feel like a like a handwritten 100% personalized email. And I should say like, hi, Steve, it was a pleasure meeting with you today. Here's, uh, uh, below I have a summary of the things we discussed. Can you please review these and tell me if I got everything right? I look forward to speaking with you again on this other date. And hopefully during your conversation, you've set up a second meeting to evaluate further and or like, if there's a committee, there's more people that need to get involved in this decision or you have a further meeting with a bigger team or whatever, you're trying to sync up schedules, doesn't matter. But what that will do is it will get the person to read everything. And what you can do again is if you don't get a response, 
three days later, you can reply back to that email and say, hey, Steve, just making sure this email got to your inbox, do you have a chance to review the information? Was everything looking good? Right? Mm -hmm. And I would even further do one last one of that before I give him a call back and be like, hey, man, tried sending you that email three times. Um, did I just lose you? And is, this a, just, is there just no way we'll ever work together? Or do I still have a chance, right? And if you approach it with that, with that kind of like energy and like um, kind of like self-deprecating, like, did I lose you? Like, man, mm -hmm. did I just like completely lose it? Um, sometimes they're like, no, 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 no. Like, sorry, man, I was just busy. Like, I'll get right back to you. Let, let me go work on that email. And they feel like you're, you're a caring, empathetic person. So that's what I recommend. And then just put this summary of your email, right? Like, Steve, we looked at your selling paella. Here's the average cost of your uh, meals. Here's your margins on meals. Here's your margin on beers. Um, like your best margins on Coronas. You're making a 25% margin there on every beer or 40 or whatever it is. And then if you start selling our Spanish beers, uh, it's, it's 35. Yet the Corona sells for $6 and ours sells for $15 or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the dollar value you're getting per customer, blah, blah, blah. You also increase your tips. You make your waiters happier. You like, you know, to phrase it like, yeah, hopefully like if, if not, you're not a good sales guy, right? Right, right. Um, well, that, that, that's fantastic advice. I really like it. Well, the next stage here, the next part of the show, I, we, we call it sales in 60 seconds. And it's where I, I'll basically ask you a series of questions that, that you, and the goal is to answer them in 60 seconds. Okay. First question. So you've trained a ton of sales teams over the years. What's a common mistake that you see sales reps or managers make when it comes to getting meetings? Biggest mistake is not finding the gap. So not communicating correctly what the difference is between where the customer is today and where they could be. That's what get you, gets you a meeting. Hey, you currently don't have a Spanish beer. You need Spanish beer. Here's why. Or, hey, you currently don't have reputation management services. Here's the results that you can get with it. Here's why. Um, or you currently are doing all these network orchestration or network um, changes manually on your computer. You could have that automated. Here's how that would make your life easier. So biggest and easiest way to get a meeting, try to ask for time on cold calls, get two minutes, and really quickly figure out what's the gap. What's the difference between where they are today and where they could be if they had your product? If you can do that, people will accept meetings left and right. Very cool. Um, what is one key lesson or message that you try to get across to all sales teams? I talk, uh, this is from Tim Ferriss, but uh, one of the things that he says actually on the 4-Hour Workweek book is eliminate, automate, delegate, do. Or an outside sales rep or any type of sales rep and you make money on commission, you can just increase your earnings by eliminating any tasks that's not worth doing. So don't drive around like crazy in circles trying to get to the right place, right? Get badger maps and make it freaking do your schedule and get to the right place at the right time through the right route, right? That's, that's, that's what I keep telling people. <laughs> exactly, like there's so many things you can eliminate. And then automate things, right? If you are logging data into your CRM manually, like dude, start using outreach.io or start using some other sort of tool that will just push data into your CRM. Delegate, like don't do all the prospecting yourself. Don't just like freaking spend all that time. Your time is valuable. Like go hire somebody in Philippines that can do the exact same work. Teach them, be patient. Don't expect that you're going to hire them. Or you're like, I need you to prospect for me and they're going to do it. No, you do it for a week. You do it 
three days with them on the phone, pay them for three hours of their work. It's 15 bucks. They cost five bucks an hour, man. 15 bucks spent on just training them while you show them exactly how to do it, get them to ask questions, and then delegate. And then anything that cannot be eliminated, automated, or delegated, that's the only stuff you do. And most of the time, that's just your client conversations. And then you're going to get so many more. I'm going to make so much more money. Very cool. What should all salespeople do every day to be more successful? Make 10 to 20 cold calls every day. It's very simple. Block off the time. What's your favorite sales tool? Uh, for me, it's actually Outreach.io. Um, it allows me to make more calls and send more emails, uh, streamline workflows, make things easier. I don't know how many outside sales uh, people uh, use that, but it's fantastic for all your templates. And even the things that I was saying, like I can send a follow-up email, and then um, if I want to ping them back twice, if they don't respond, uh, I can put it in Outreach.io. I just write the email, and I say send with Outreach, and it, it will ping them twice if they don't respond over the next week or so. Huge time saver. Yeah, I've heard great things about that. Very popular in the in the SaaS industry in general. Which resources about sales like blogs or books or video channels would you recommend to people? Um, there's a couple of interesting ones. So I like HubSpot Sales Academy, or I think it's called HubSpot Academy. And then there's like some ideas about marketing and sales and sales ops and sales enablement. Um, I feel that content's pretty high quality and it's very well selected. I like Sales Hacker. Um, a lot of their content is really good, but I would say, I would say like in general, if you look at the web, what you'll find is that like 99% of the content is just like BS that you shouldn't read. 1% is good. And then like mm -hmm. some, some sources build a reputation, right? So HubSpot Academy, I feel like 95% is good and 5% are things that like I disagree with. Um, sales hackers, maybe like 80, 20, 80% is really good. 20% is things that like I wouldn't necessarily agree with and so on. But the more you consume and don't take it at face value, it's a jelly bean jar that you're trying to build and you can take a jelly bean from a bunch of people. So mm -hmm. sales hacker, HubSpot Academy are the two that I would most highly recommend, I would say. Very cool. Given that you're an expert in building sales teams and increasing the number of meetings in sales, what, what's your best advice that you would like to give our listeners? Uh, best advice? Um, as I said, you know, there's not just uh, one thing. It's a, it's a combination of all these. So hopefully at least a voicemail example I gave, uh, the how to run a cold call, how to organize your uh, clients and, and define your ideal customer profile. All those things should be, should be quite helpful. Um, uh, I mean, the, the most common advice I, I would give, which everybody knows is just hustle. Like it takes a lot of work. Um, winners are always people who are going to put more effort and time. And if you can eliminate, automate, delegate, do, and just think in that framework, every task that you're doing, how can, should I, should I really do this or can I eliminate it? Can't eliminate it needs to be done a hundred percent. Sure. Yes. Okay. Can I automate it? Like, CRM login and so on. And then can I delegate it? Right. And if I can't do any of that, then you do it. That's the idea. And at the beginning, you got to do everything. You always do, 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 do. But once you've done the same task three times, you got to think like, okay, do I really need to do this again? And then you, you use that framework. So as a, as a final takeaway, uh, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to get more qualified meetings. And I'm, I'm underlying, I'm underlining the word qualified on this. I mean, uh, we, we all know who our buyers are and who's the ideal like person to speak with within 
uh, our target account. So like for, for you to be qualified, the way that most companies work is there's a minimum qualification, right? Like, oh, they need to have X many sales reps to be a good fit, or they need to have X many uh, locations, or they need to have X much revenue, or they need to have at a minimum X much something, right? But then beyond that, usually, and it depends, sometimes the bigger the better, sometimes too big is also bad, but there is a segment where it gets really good. So find that segment and then find the, find the right buyer persona and go after them. Don't just wait for inbound. If you're only working inbound, man, it's like I, I once uh, met a friend who's like, oh yeah, I'm also in sales. I work at Macy's. I'm like, wait, so you like go get this stuff that somebody has tried in the fitting rooms and you just like scan, scan it and then you get their credit card and you charge them. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's not sales, man. If Macy's has done all the work, like the person already walked into the store, they said exactly what they wanted to try, they tried it. Maybe you upsold them here and there, but most likely, uh, 90, 95% work was done. And that's sometimes how inbound feels. You don't have control. So if you go outbound, that's where the money's at. Great advice. Great advice. I think, uh, I think everybody needs that advice. I know I, I certainly do at our organization. I guess well, what I'm going to try to do next is take a minute or two and summarize everything that we've covered today, just because a lot of the people that are listening to this are in their cars or walking or whatever. And so they, you know, it's good to hear it twice. So two minutes summary, let's go. So first of all, you need to understand who you sell to and clearly define your ideal customer profile or also called the ICP. You need to get organized and put together a company list based on your ICP. A quick hack here is to outsource the research part and hire someone who can build the list for you. Tito also shared some cold calling taxes, tactics and tips on leaving voicemails, such as when you leave a voicemail, instead of starting with your name and intro, start talking about the prospect and, and saying something about what they do in order to capture their attention. It's key to go outbound and not just focus on inbound. To get your most valuable messages across, look at your NPS scores. That's, that's the score where you kind of look at how, what, your, what your customers are saying about you, if they you know, give you a score on how much they like this, that, or the other thing about you on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied are, you, are they with your service. So look at your NPS scores and the feedback you're getting from your customers and talk to your current customers about why they like working with you and why they love your product. This helps you clearly communicate your value to prospects in your first interaction with your, with your customers or with the, your prospects. When you're cold calling, focus on the prospect and show that you've done your research on, on them and you understand their business. Make observations about their business and ask questions that help you uncover their needs and areas that might be in need of improvement in their organization. After a meeting, make sure you follow up with a personalized email. Summarize the key takeaways and what was discussed and, and ask about setting up the next meeting or introduce what the next step should be. Tito also recommended following up multiple times if a prospect doesn't respond for several days. Sometimes people just get busy and they appreciate the reminder and your patience. In terms of biggest mistakes, not communing correctly, communicating correctly is one of the biggest mistakes salespeople make. And this prevents them from getting more meetings. It's important to ask the prospect in your first cold call about the gap. Where are they today? 
and where would they like to be in the future? And what's, what's the gap in between those two things? Um, eliminate and automate busy work and delegate wherever possible. There are so many ways to save time and work more efficiently. Another tip is to make 10 to 20 sales calls a day. You'll see immediate results and be more successful in sales. You, you just have to block off the time to do that. HubSpot Academy and Sales Hacker are great resources where you can learn and develop more sales skills. Again, and, and this is important, think about every task you're doing and ask yourself if you can automate or outsource it. If you adopt this, mind, this mindset and make it your own, you'll ultimately get more done and outsell your competition. As a final piece of advice, don't wait for inbound leads to come to you. Find your audience, build your list, and go after them. Going outbound is key to success in sales. So this has been a great show. Tito, I've really enjoyed having you on. Where, where can listeners read more about your work and where can they reach out to you? Yeah, I think that the uh, easiest place is LinkedIn. Um, you will find me easily there. Uh, there's not too many Tito's there. Um, spelling just like the vodka, T-I-T-O. So just remember, I'm the, I'm the vodka guy who was teaching you how to sell beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, yeah, that, needs, everybody needs a friend like that, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and the last name is a little bit more complicated to spell. It's Bort, spelled uh, B S N Boy O H R T. And yeah, um, see you at Alti Sales. Feel free to check our website. And if your organization, in any by any chance, needs more qualified meetings, I mean, that's what we do for companies, right? We we can come train your team. But most likely, what we tend to do first is we try to go figure it out for you. What's the messaging? What's the gap? What's the ideal customer profile? Build your lists. Do all the hard work and busy work and just allow you to have all those conversations yourself. Um, and then once we've figured out for you, we allow your VP of sales to build an internal organization and we go train it. Well, yeah, Tito, that, that's why we had you to, had picked you to do this show on qualification and, and generating new leads because you're, you're the guy for this. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Outside Sales Talk. If you guys have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me at feedback at outsidesalestalk.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps spread the word and, and get more outside salespeople to, to find out about us. So take care until next week. And, and Tito, thanks for coming on, coming on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure.